Chapter 9, Part 2 of Shores of the Polar Sea, a narrative of the Arctic expedition of 1875-1876. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Shores of the Polar Sea by Edward Lawton Moss. Chapter 9, Part 2. The first symptoms of scurvy appeared amongst the men only a few days after the auxiliary sledges had quitted the party on the northward march, and before the expenditure of half their provisions obliged them to turn back, they had three men on the sledges, and half the detachment crippled with stiff knees. Instead of finding the floes increase in width as they left the land, they met with nothing worthy of the name of flow. The road lay across endless hummocks of crushed fragments, piled on each other and drifted over with snow one half the party worked in advance slowly hewing a road with their pickaxes the remainder toiled after them hauling up each of the three sledges in turn on twelfth may they reached their utmost northern point north latitude eighty three degrees north twenty minutes twenty six seconds a little less than four hundred miles from the pole considering the helpless state of the majority we could not but think them most fortunate in being able to regain the land before even the strongest of them lost the strength and courage that carried their message to the ship. Looking at them as they staggered feebly along, panting at every breath, we forcibly realized the probable fate of those large parties from Franklin ships that remain to this day unaccounted for. Since reaching the depot at Cape Joseph Henry, the men had had ample supplies of lime juice, and nothing now remained but to carry them to the ship before the disruption of the pack. Immediately after falling in with them, the dog sledge had been sent back again to carry the news of their whereabouts to the relief parties led by the captain, and in a few hours it again reappeared, carrying a pleasant surprise for the invalids, four Brent geese, swinging by the necks from the back of the sledge. A camp to break the journey to the ship had been formed at a little bay in Black Cliffs, where the geese had been shot, and in a few minutes two of our four invalids that could best bear the journey were packed on the sledge and whirled off towards it behind the willing dogs. The main relief parties were soon in sight, two sledges manned in great part by officers, Captain Norris himself pulling in the drag ropes of the leading sledge. Thus reinforced, three marches carried the whole party back to the ship. The first installment reached her by dog sledge on 12th June. Next day, when Flagstaff Point was rounded, and the yards in the mass of the ship were again in view, the Marco Polo sledge went in front. Her officer and three men had throughout steadily refused to be treated as invalids, and now hoisting their sledge pennant and the Union Jack they had so gallantly carried to the most northern point ever reached by land or sea, they led the way alongside the ship. Such results as were obtained by the northern party have been greatly lost sight of in the painful interest connected with the cause of the scurvy, a subject which it would be altogether improper to enter upon here. But the effort to penetrate across the polar pack has proved other facts besides a necessity for a change in sledge diet. The attempt was never a hopeful one, but if it had not been made, no one would have been satisfied that it was impossible. The men had been able to march as far every day after the scurvy appeared as they did before it. In other words, if the scurvy had not broken out, they would have reached only 27 miles further north. The pole lay 435 miles from their most advanced depot. 
their total distance march was five hundred and twenty-one geographical miles so that under impossibly favorable conditions if they had been able to travel in a perfectly straight line pulling a single sledge and with ice as smooth as a lake they would have succeeded in reaching the pole and halfway back again a conclusion which would be neither satisfactory nor instructive if a comparatively unbroken ice cap exists and if its surface affords better traveling than its broken margin it is possible that some future expedition may yet find it lying nearer cape joseph henry and travel over it to eighty four degrees or eighty five degrees but certainly not to the pole the broken condition of the floes is inexplicable perhaps a small island or bank exists to the northward those who choose to think so have two facts to hang their faith on a hair track was found thirty miles from the land in the depth of the polar sea at the furthest camp was only seventy fathoms when the northern party arrived on board the ship they found her very different to what they had left her the thawing snow had been thrown off her upper deck and the banking up round her sides had almost disappeared a deep pool of not very clean water lay all around the ship and in order to get on board it was necessary to cross a bridge some twenty feet long made of poles and planks the tide rose and fell in this pool showing that the ice in which the ship was embedded was actually supported like a bridge between the shore and the floebergs in fact so fixed was the ship that when the snow banking sank a little more the tide might be seen rising and falling against the torn and ragged planking of her sides other pools of water lay on the floes especially in the neighborhood of floebergs cracks too were opening in every direction and though there was as yet no motion in the pack it seemed as if it only wanted a strong wind to set it grinding and roaring as it did in autumn this state of affairs together with the two following even more important considerations made us very anxious about lieutenant aldrich and his crew he had a good store of lime juice laid out in depot for his return journey but with the experience of the northern party before us we could hardly hope that his crew would be free from scurvy when they reached it and again we knew from the reports of his auxiliary sledge that he had penetrated far to the westward across an absolute desert of deep snow which if once softened would effectually bar his return and cut him off from assistance in many places round the ship the snow was softening rapidly so much so that spots once hard enough to walk on were now totally impassable even snowshoes which had proved most useful on the march to the rescue of the northern party a week before now balled so much under the heel and shoveled up such a weight of slush that they could not be used on clear days the depot at cape joseph henry was visible with a good glass from the top of cairn hill as long as it could be seen we knew that the party had not reached it and a most anxious watch was kept on the little flickering miraged spot up to the eighteenth of june no change occurred and then lieutenant may and his indefatigable dogs went off to try and find some trace of the missing party on the twenty-fifth the suspense came to an end it was sunday morning and shortly after service the news came from cairn hill that both aldrich's sledge and the dog sledge were in sight the two tents pitched on the floes near mushroom point could be made out plainly they were evidently in camp for the day as usual their homeward march would not begin till evening so at seven p m everyone that could left the ship to meet them rounding a low point we came on them suddenly the challenger led the way with colors flying and sledge sails set 
her officer and the last man left of his crew a stalwart light-hearted teetotaler hauled in her drag belts one man unable to walk lay muffled on the sledge the others kept up as best they could taking turn on the dog sledge they had turned back from a point two hundred and thirty geographical miles to the westward and had travelled there and back over seven hundred miles of coastline but had found no shore leading poleward on their outward journey as they passed each successive cape another and another came into view till on rounding a headland in north latitude eighty three degrees point seven they found the shoreline bending off to the southward at this spot since called cape columbia a slaty cliff sloping downward to the flows formed the most northern point of the new world for miles on either side the shore was lifeless but there on the slope of the cape amongst the stones and snow they found a little arctic poppy with its tiny yellow petals withered into lines and folds of green beyond cape columbia it was sometimes hard to tell where the land ended and the frozen sea began here and there banks of sand and gravel were bare of snow but when you dug into them with a pick there was deep ice beneath on the left lay a monotonous snow-clad shore rising into irregular mountain groups and on the right perennial flows worn into mounds and valleys they still followed the shoreline till on their forty-fifth day's journey they found themselves further south than the winter quarters of the ship then they came to the limit of their provisions there was only enough left to carry them back to their farthest depot and so recovering in succession each of the little piles of stores deposited on their outward journey they retraced their footsteps along the shore that no other human eyes than theirs had ever looked on for a week before the dog sledge met them their state was even worse than we had feared the snow that bore them on their outward way had softened every step sank a different depth in it sometimes to the knee sometimes to the waist the men broke down one by one strength and appetite failed them and every motion of their swollen and stiffened limbs was an agony they would haul the sledge five or six yards forward and then stop for want of breath with fifty miles of bottomless snow before them it was no wonder some of them began to think their prospects hopeless and wanted to be left behind rather than burden the others with their weight but the sight of the dog sledge put new life in the party its four strong men and six plucky dogs soon got them over their difficulties now they were safe and close to the ship and knees grew straighter than they had been for many a day those who could walk at all required an order to keep them on the dog sledge there was amongst them an ex-member of the bulldog sledge who had impressed himself specially on his former sledgemates by one peculiar trait he never could see a joke till hours after it was made and then his sudden roars of laughter would sometimes wake the whole crew from their first sleep the poor fellow was now amongst the worst but he insisted on being helped into the drag belts and staggered alongside the ship in harness thus ended the spring sledging for another month hunting parties scoured the land and two sledges tried to find an overland route to the discovery in case our ship should suffer in the disruption of the pack but so far as the alert was concerned the exploring work of the year was over of the discovery's proceedings we yet knew little we had heard that lady franklin sound had proved a mere inlet no news had reached us from the north greenland detachment but the shore that we could see from our mastheads and from the hills of floberg beach was long and deeply indented 
and its extreme limit at cape britannia was far to the east but little to the north the summer disruption of the pack was now evidently close at hand and it was therefore necessary to come to an immediate decision about the future we had men in both ships who had passed many winters in whalers and they were unanimously of opinion that the alert had little if any chance of ever leaving her winter quarters those with knowledge of naval arctic work thought otherwise the break-up when it did come would probably give us a choice of three alternatives namely to advance to stay where we were or to retreat as for advancing in some favourable season we might perhaps get the ship about twelve miles further westward and five further north but this was the very utmost that could be hoped for and for all purposes of northward extension our present position was just as good any advance along the shores of greenland was utterly out of the question for the eastward motion of the pack threw its chief pressure on that shore what then would another year at floberg beach enable us to accomplish assuming against all precedent that our crew would completely recover and be as strong as ever assuming too that the whole force of the expedition guided by the experience already gained could be launched northward over the floes there could even then be no hope whatever of adding one degree to our north latitude under such circumstances retreat if possible before the relief ship was dispatched from england became a duty there was one objection to it that was often joked about but of course never seriously entertained the public will not be satisfied until you stay one or two more winters or at least lose a ship we little knew how very near we should be to doing both End of chapter 9, part 2